the Lord for what he has done, as Neil shared in the baptistry, what, what he has done for us in the past, what he is doing for us now, what he will do for us in the days ahead. Uh, we should be above all the people on earth, a thankful people. And as a matter of fact, uh, really today marks the beginning of a new series we're in calling Thankful. And uh, so uh, just uh, be praying for Brother Neil and myself as we prepare this, this series of messages leading up to the Thanksgiving Hard to believe it's already Thanksgiving, right? I mean, it's just right around the corner, and then it'll be Christmas, and then it'll be 2024. Uh, goes quick, goes quick. But we should be a thankful, thankful people. And I just want us to, to begin thinking about thankfulness this morning. And in Philippians chapter 4, this will be the text that we will draw these messages from over the next several weeks. Uh, I want to read verses 4 through 7. Again, hopefully these are familiar words to you. And what we find here is that Paul is really issuing commands to the church. Uh, these are not suggestions. Uh, these are commands. If, if you know and love the Lord Jesus, th these are things that, that should be seen in your life. You should be actively obeying these commands. And, and uh, the first one is this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Now, let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then there's this wonderful result. You know, obedience has, has favorable results. When we obey the Lord, good things come. And this is the good things that come when we Follow uh, the Lord in obedience to these commands. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, just a few things that I want to point out to you. Uh, and of course, again, all of them uh, commands that the Lord gives us. And, and you would think that the command to rejoice would really be an unnecessary command. But it's not. As a matter of fact, uh, the command to rejoice is a prominent theme in Scripture. And I believe one of the reasons that it's a prominent theme in Scripture is because it's real easy for us to not do it. Uh, we get our eyes on our problems. We get our eyes on the problems of, of our nation, uh, on the problems that exist in our world. Uh, and uh, if we're not careful, we will lose sight of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus and the happiness that ought to characterize our lives as a result of that. And so the Scriptures command, the Lord Jesus commands us to be a happy people, to rejoice, to, to be happy, to be glad, and to express that happiness and gladness, not only when we worship, maybe I should say, especially when we worship. You know, sometimes, and I can be as guilty of this as anybody, uh, we are singing about loving the Lord and being a people that's blessed by God, and our faces look like somebody just stole our dog. We need to be a happy people. People ought to see the joy of the Lord in us, and it, it begins with, with the expression on our face. We ought, to, we ought to allow the joy of the Lord to be seen in us. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord Always. Again, not just in church, not just when things are going your way. 
Paul wrote this letter from a Roman jail. And, and from a situation in which he didn't know on any given day or any hour of the day whether he was going to live or die. That's the kind of joy, that's the kind of happiness that we are to have in the Lord. It is a, a happiness, a joy, an expression of that joy that far exceeds or, or goes far beyond any circumstances that we may be experiencing. I mean, the truth is, we're all going to have tough days, right? There's going to be sadness. I mean, even this morning, we've got two of our very faithful members who are in the hospital today, you know, facing uncertain health issues, serious health issues. And that could be any one of us. But nonetheless, the scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, it is a often repeated command, admonition in scripture, and, uh, and we need to remind ourselves of it throughout the course of each and every day, uh, just to, to remember how blessed we truly are, what a privilege it is to be a part of the household of God, uh, to be able to come together on a morning like this and celebrate uh, the salvation uh, of those that we saw baptized this morning. So God commands us, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul repeats, and again, I say, rejoice. Uh, there is just always the temptation uh, to be ungrateful, right? No matter how much the Lord does for us. If we turn back in the Old Testament to the story of the Exodus, I mean, God delivered the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. I mean, from hundreds of years of Egyptian bondage. All right, and he, he began to lead them back to the promised land, and he provided for them manna from heaven, food every day. They never even had to worry about it. It was there every morning for them just to go out and pick up and enjoy. He provided water for them. He provided spiritual leadership for them through Moses and, and Aaron. He provided... <clears throat> evidence of his own presence in the pillar of cloud by, by day, the pillar of fire by night. And yet, the scripture says that on repeated occasions, the Israelites grumbled against Moses. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Would that we have died in Egypt rather than, than be led out here into this wilderness to die. How ungrateful and how like us, right? Often, in spite of all that the Lord does, we grumble, we complain, we lose sight of the blessings that are ours in Christ. So yes, we are commanded, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then another command, he says, let your <clears throat> reasonableness, uh, perhaps your, your translation says, let your gentleness be known. The word, the word speaks of a of kind of a gentle generosity. And, and when I say generosity, I'm not so much talking about how we handle our finances, but it's a, it's a generosity of spirit that bears with the, the, the weaknesses of others. I mean, the reality is, whether we're talking about our own family, whether we're talking about the family that is uh, our church, Calvary Hill Baptist Church, or the family that is the community in which we live, there are people in every stage of that family life that are hard to deal with, right? And we're to be gracious, forbearing people, just the way we would like people to be with us when, when we do things that we shouldn't do or don't handle things the way that we should. Uh, let your reasonableness, your gentleness, uh, there was no person more described with that word gentleness than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I mean, he was powerful beyond 
our ability to really understand. Uh, he was the son of God, uh, God the son, but he was a gentle, generous spirit. Uh, he loved everyone. He, he put the interests of others before his own interests. And that's what we're to do. That's what we are commanded to do. And then we're given this, this, this strong encouragement. The Lord is at hand. We've already sung about that this morning. <clears throat> the Lord is with us in this place. We know the Bible says where two or three of us gather in his name, there he is in our midst. And so God is with us this morning. But let me tell you, uh, when we leave here, God will still be with us. When you go to your house, when you go to your workplace tomorrow or to school, God will be with you. The Lord is at hand. This is a, a strong word of encouragement. It speaks of God's nearness to us. The Lord has always promised to be present with his people. And though we can't always see him the way we would like to, we can always trust that he's here, that he's, that he's near, he's, he's, he's with us. Uh, again, I can't even imagine the fear that has gripped the hearts of many over in the Middle East this morning. Families that are wondering if their loved ones are ever going to be seen alive again. Uh, Communities that are wondering whether they'll have a community left when this is all said and done. Uh, what we can say to our brothers and sisters in Christ over there, hey, the, Lord's, the Lord is near. The Lord's with you. You don't, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful. God has got you. And if, and if God is big enough to, to handle a situation like that, surely he can handle whatever situation we're going through. The Lord's at hand. The Lord is always with us. We don't have to be afraid. And here's the wonderful thing. The Bible has told us that well, Jesus made a promise to his disciples on the very night before he was crucified that he would, he would come again. He was going to return. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to die on that cross for, for our sins. And he was going to be buried, but he was going to rise from the dead. He was going to ascend to the right hand of the Father where he is at this very moment, but he promised that I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and I'm going, to, I'm going to receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And so every day we should be looking, hopefully, lovingly, longingly for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is indeed at hand. He is, he is near. Uh, again, the Bible refers to him as God with us, right? He's, he's near us. He's, he's for us. And you know, that... that phrase also speaks, well, it has a relational aspect. God is near to us, uh, just like we might say that, that we have a near relative in the church. Maybe you've got a cousin uh, or an aunt or an uncle. They're, they're a near relative. Maybe they didn't grow up in your household, but, but they're, they're a relative. And, and the idea is captured in these words. There's a relational aspect to this nearness of God. He's our father, right? He's our heavenly father who loves us uh, and provides for our every need. So there is this wonderful communal aspect to our thanksgiving. We should be very, very thankful for what God has done in bringing us together as brothers and sisters in, in Christ. And then another command here. You know, I think sometimes we think this is just a suggestion. It says, don't be anxious about anything. A real literal translation of that phrase, stop worrying about anything. We worry about everything, don't we? 
I mean, I don't know about you. I'll just, I'll just confess up here. I mean, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and my mind is just swirling. And I'm thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about at 2 o'clock in the morning. Things that I can't do anything about at 2 o'clock in the morning other than maybe pray that God would handle this for me, that I would just be able to let him take it. Look, when we realize the blessings that are ours in Christ, when we are, when we are just thrilled and delighted with who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is to us, when we are expressing our gentleness and generosity to those around us, when we are realizing at every moment that God is with me no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, and that He is able to handle it, then why would I worry about anything? So don't be anxious. Don't, don't worry. Uh, but rather than worry, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, I'm convinced that often we're not as joyful, uh, as happy as we should be. Often we're not as uh, fearless or bold as we should be. Maybe we worry too much. And, and I think one of the reasons for that is we don't pray like we should. We, we don't take our, our requests to the Lord. And here's the wonderful thing. We should do that. We should do exactly what this scripture says. Let your requests be made known to God. But you know what? God knows what you need before you ever open your mouth to speak. And God is able to meet every need in your life above and beyond all that you can even think or imagine. God is a God of comfort. Comforts us in all our afflictions, the scripture says. God is powerful. Again, beyond our wildest imagination, there's nothing that's too difficult for him. So rejoice in the Lord. And pray, Jesus Christ died so that you and I would have constant access, continual access to the throne of grace. It's a wonderful thing. We just kind of yawn like, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. We can bow our heads. We can gaze into the heavens. And we can make our requests known to the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or imagine. And all of this to be done, again, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Praise to the Lord. Uh, gratitude for all that God has done. Again, our, our lives should be characterized by this, this gracious gratitude uh, for all that God has done for us. And, and when we allow these things, when we obey these commands, when we put these principles to work in our lives, the result is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Uh, if there's one thing that we need today, it's the peace of God, right? Our world needs the peace of God. You know, we, again, we think about what's going on in the Middle East, and, you know, Israel's involved, and, man, you know, Israel's prominent in Scripture, and doesn't that have some sort of prophetic, you know, Meaning, and should we be watching for the return of Christ? And anytime you ask that question, should we be watching for the return of Christ? The answer is yes. Whether there's war in the Middle East or not, we should be watching for the return of Christ, waiting for his return. But we should be doing so with the peace of God, knowing that his return is an absolute guarantee. Jesus made us a promise. I'm coming back. And you can just mark it down. He's coming back. He's coming back to get us. Uh, we can trust that. Uh, I know sometimes that's, again, 
beyond our ability to fully comprehend. That's what that means. It surpasses all understanding. But when we are obedient to the Lord, when we love the Lord, when we rejoice in the Lord, when we, when we relate to one another and to the Lord rightly, when we are praying and trusting, it's just an amazing thing that God does in our hearts. Uh, he guards them. Guards our hearts and minds. He protects us. He protects us from our own thoughts. You know, again, when it comes to worry, you know, we often worry about things. I've even read that most of the things we worry about are things that never, ever happen. And I think probably the rest of the things we worry about aren't nearly as bad as we thought they were going to be. So let's be a thankful people. Joyful, thankful. Those things should, should flow from our hearts. We, we are a people who have been transformed by the gospel. And our lives ought to reflect every day, increasingly so, that transformation that Christ has brought to our lives.